this morning, I want to do this. It's Palm Sunday. So I want to talk a little bit about what happened on Palm Sunday and, and Passion Week. And then I, I, want to, I want to zero in for just a few moments on a particular portion of the, of, of the Passion Week interactions that Jesus has. It is Palm Sunday, and, and this is the day uh, in, in Passion Week, this is the day that, that Jesus had what is oftentimes referred to as the triumphal entry. He, he tells his disciples that they are to go into Jerusalem and, uh, and they are to go ahead of him. They are to look for a donkey with an unbroken colt. And Jesus instructed his disciples to untie that, that, uh, those animals and bring them to him. That if the animal asks, just say the master needs them and, and, and they'll be released to you. And it tells us this, scripture tells us this, that Jesus sat on the young donkey and he slowly, humbly made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And the people laid their coats on the grounds and they laid... They laid palm branches on the, on the ground, and they welcomed him, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And we see in, in the Palm Sunday narrative, we see this, that Jesus stops, and he, and he prays over Jerusalem, and he, he weeps over Jerusalem. It, 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 it's, it's reflective of the, the heart that God has for his people. It's the... It's the it's the heart that God has for you. It's the heart that God has for me. Monday, he, he returns with his disciples to Jerusalem. And along the way, Jesus curses a fig tree. When he, uh, when he arrives at the temple, he finds the courts full of, of corrupt money changers. And Jesus begins to overturn the temples, clearing the temple, saying this, uh, my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And we see, we see Jesus really embracing this issue of, of character and holiness. Tuesday, Tuesday is the last day that Jesus will address a larger crowd, that he'll address beyond his disciples, that he'll address his followers and those that are curious, those that are, those that are critics, He'll, he'll address the seekers, and he'll also address the skeptics. And, and it's in this, in this discourse, right? In this, in, in, this, in this discourse is where he has a, he has a, a particular uh, interaction that I want to talk about. Uh, because I, I believe that it speaks really well to, to where we're at today. Because what we find is this, is we find that, that the, the enemies of Jesus, that they work very diligently to trap him. And here's how they attempt to trap him. They attempt to trap him through a series of questions. And here's, here's what I know. I know this, that one of the big ways that the enemy tries to, to get me discouraged, one of the big ways that the enemy tries to get me distracted, one of the big ways that the enemy tries to trap me is using the scheme of the question. Now that should come as no surprise to us because this is what the enemy has done really since the dawn of creation. In fact, when you look at even the story, the creation story, Adam and Eve, when they fall in the garden, when, when Satan comes in the form of a serpent and he speaks to them, the first time we hear Satan speak, here's what he does. He does it in the form of a question, right? He asks, he asks Adam and Eve, what did God say to you? Did he say that if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that, that you'll die? And, and what the enemy loves to do is the enemy loves to use questions to try to bring frustration to us, to try to bring fear into our day, to, to try to pull us away from truth. 
And so it's, it's quite possible that you find yourself in this season, that you find yourself getting, getting caught up in these what ifs. What if this, and what if this, and what if this, and what if this? And as we see Jesus navigating the, the question traps here on Tuesday of Passion Week, it's a powerful lesson to us of how we need to push beyond the questions and instead lean into truth. And here's what we find. We find this in Matthew twenty-two forty-six. It says this, no one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. What questions are you dealing with today? Well, let's look at the questions that Jesus was confronted with in that, in, in that moment, what, that Jesus was confront, confronted with in that season. And, and here's, here's what we're going to find. I believe this. We're going to find that there's some great, great parallels to what we're, what we're dealing with today. Uh, and in that, I believe that God's got, some, God's got from, some powerful lessons for us. So what I want you to do this, I want you to, do with, I want you to go with me, turn in your Bibles to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Okay, and here's what I want you to find. In Matthew 22, uh, starting in the 15th verse, it says this. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words, right? They're using the scheme of the question. And what they want to do is they want to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with some of the Herodians. Teacher, they said, or master, they said, we know that you're a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Can, can you sense the setup, right? They're trying to butter him up. Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you, know, you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? And here's what they're doing. They're using, they're using the hook, right? They're using the hook of the coin. Jesus, should we pay tribute? Should we pay the tax to Caesar or not? They're convinced that they've got Jesus. Why? Because if Jesus says that you should pay taxes to Caesar, then what can happen is the religious people can say, you see, all Jesus is, he's just a shill. He's a lackey for the Roman government. If Jesus says you shouldn't pay the taxes to Caesar, then what they can do is they can go to the Roman government and say, look, this man is he's inciting an insurgence against Roman authority. Either way, Jesus, in their minds, Jesus is in trouble. And Jesus says to them, he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give me one of the coins. And they hand them a coin, right? And he asks the question. He says, he says um, what... What is inscribed on the coin that you use to pay the tax? And here's what it says. It says, when he asks us a question, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Here's the powerful lesson to learn in this. Jesus says, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. Here's the question that we need to answer in this moment. To whom do we belong? To whom do our possessions belong? To whom does our career belong? To whom does our day and tomorrow belong? 
This is a reason why it's so important to answer that lordship question. And for those of you that are watching this morning, that you're, maybe you're a skeptic, maybe you're a seeker, maybe at one point you were very close to God, but you've drifted. In, in moments like, like this, and in, in seasons like we find ourselves, these tend to be defining moments. I've heard it said that, that our world is forever changed. And I believe on, on some levels that's true. But one of the things that has not changed is God. God doesn't change, and his promises don't change. And his invitation for you to do life in him hasn't changed. But it is very important as I'm navigating the questions of life, and, and friends, it's easy, especially when we find ourselves in difficult seasons, it's easy to have more questions than answers. But the biggie is this, to whom do we belong? And that's what Jesus deals with in that moment. He says, listen, what I want you to do is this. I want you to return to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but I want you to return to God what belongs to God. The challenge I want to give you this morning is this. Let your, let your life be in God's hand. Because we can stand on God's truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what does that through Jesus Christ our Lord look like? Well, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? And so we, we want to follow that directive that Jesus gave in John chapter 3 that he gave to Nicodemus, that directive to be born again, right? to be raised in newness of life. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says, and I no longer live. I, I have this new life that I live in him. So let me ask you the question this morning. To whom do you belong? T to whom does your today and tomorrow belong? T to whom do your possessions belong? To whom does your family belong? And I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Let the answer to that be I belong to God. And if I belong to God, then I can trust him that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. He shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. He shall carry me every step of the way. Know this, child of God. He's got you. Regardless of the circumstances, in spite of environment, no matter what the news is, he's got you. So in that, we have the opportunity. In fact, we have the directive today to be filled with joy, to rejoice, because we know to whom we belong. They then, they come to Jesus, and, uh, and, and they're going to come to him with a, with a second question. In fact, it tells us that when Jesus answers the coin hook, it tells us this in verse, in verse number 22. It says, when they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. But yet that same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no re resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brothers must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now there were seven brothers among us, and the first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and third, right down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now, then at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? So what they're doing is this. They're asking the question, in essence, what is this, what is this woman's destiny? 
And they're, and they're trying to, they're, they're convinced that they can trap Jesus because they're convinced that there isn't an answer to this question of destiny. We need to have an answer to that question. What, what is our destiny? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. In fact, Jesus made this statement. He said, who of us by worrying can add an hour to our life? When we have an understanding of our destiny, even so far as to take the posture of Paul when he said this, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Right? Even death itself, which is the thing that frightens most of us uh, the most, well, that's, that's not true. The, the thing that we're most frightened of is public speaking. Most people are more frightened of public speaking than they are of death. So more people would rather die than do what I'm doing right now. And there are some days that I understand that fear. But, but this issue of destiny right? and understanding our destiny. And, and they're convinced that they've got, they've got Jesus trapped because they're convinced that there's not an answer to the destiny question. And Jesus replies, he says, you're an error because you don't know the scripture or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They'll be like the angels in heaven. And he says, but about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Notice that God does not say, I was the God of Abraham. I was the God of, uh, of, of Isaac. I was the God of Jacob. God saying, I am, it speaks to the fact that there is an eternal destiny. Jesus says this, he is not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. Now, once again, when the crowds heard this, it tells us in, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-three, 33, they were astonished at his teaching. We will deal with the question of knowing to whom we belong. We will also deal with the question of knowing our destiny. And God has a, God has a great plan for you. So I would, I would ask you this question, not, not as a means to trap you, but hopefully as a means to encourage you, to challenge you, to guide you. Is your destiny settled today? Have you, have you, said, have you said yes to him? They then, they're convinced that now the first trap didn't work, the second trap didn't work, They've got to come up with some way to trap Jesus. Look what it says in verse 34 of Matthew 22. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. They're so convinced that this is the ultimate trap. They're so convinced that with this one, they've got him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And they're prepared for a a myriad of answers. And no matter what he says, they're going to say, yes, but what about? And they ask, they ask him the question, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And what Jesus does is he goes to a statement that is life-giving to us. But understand that in this culture, in this season, it wasn't just life-giving, it was it was well known. If I were this morning, if, if I were to begin to quote something like, I pledge allegiance to the flag, already the next words are already forming in your mind. 
because you've heard it, you've recited it, you know it. It's woven into your understanding, right? It's, it's, it's part of your cultural DNA. Well, what Jesus says in their culture is just like our Pledge of Allegiance. He's quoting the Shema. This is something that they have, that they have said every morning. It's something that they've said every morning. Every evening, when they, when they gather together in the temple, this is what they start with. And so he, he says the most, probably one of the most common phrases in there in, in, of, the, of the time period. And yet he brings new perspective to it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It, it, it comes down to this. It comes down to knowing what really matters. Knowing what really matters. What we'll chase after so much. I do it. You do it. We'll get... We'll get consumed by so many things. It's, it's easy for us to take on the disposition of a, of a Martha who's worried about so much rather than a, a Mary that's, that's focused on what's important. I think more than anything, um, what I appreciate about this time that we find ourselves in, it's, it's the fact that we can dial in to that which is truly important today. You know, I, I have... I have people reaching out to me and they're saying, man, we're having so much more interaction with our children. We're, we, we've discovered that we can use Zoom to talk to our kids and our grandkids all across the country and, and around the world. People are, people are becoming, in this season of social distancing, it's fascinating to me that so many people are becoming more connected rather than less connected. And and this idea of, of relationship, God says, is the most important thing. First, that vertical relationship, the relationship that we have with God. The most important thing in your life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And here's, here's the reason for that. Because you will find that when you love God, uh, it will... First of all, it will fuel every other relationship. Your vertical relationship will determine your horizontal, the depth of your horizontal relationships. Second, in, in this relationship with God, all of the promises of God flow to us. And so what God wants to be today is he wants to be your protection. He wants to be your peace. He wants to be your provision. He wants to be your counselor and your guide. And, and, and he stands waiting to do that in active relationship with you. So if this morning, if you don't have an active relationship with God, now is the time to start. If you have a relationship with God, but it's a passive relationship, now is the time to really engage, to go deeper with him. And even now, he's standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking. Won't you, won't you open that door and, and let him in into a, into a deeper relationship with him. And then... And then out of that, out of the overflow of the love that we experience in relationship with God, you'll find this. You'll find that there will naturally come out of that a love for the people around you, for your neighbors, and an opportunity to, 
to share the wonder of who Christ is. It's the reason why here at Calvary, we, even though we, we won't be able to gather here in, in this house next Sunday, uh, we're passionately promoting Easter at our house. We've got, we've got egg hunt kits for you to do in your neighborhood. We've got yard signs that you can put in your yard and just invite people to join you in your home or invite you to join people virtually uh, through a Facebook Live watch party and to, and to demonstrate uh, that you care. You know, on, on, on Thursday of the Passion Week, Thursday was a, was a pretty significant day. It was, it was the day that, that Jesus, that he gathered his disciples in the, in the, in the upper room. And he, uh, he starts by washing their feet. And then he does this. He, he begins to talk with them about, about what is to come. And he gives them this powerful imagery. What we know as communion. I want to encourage you, being Palm Sunday, I just think it would be great for us to to participate in communion together. So I'm actually going to pause for a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you, you don't already have um, something to use for bread, uh, and uh, listen, if you've got bread, you've got crackers, uh, if, you've, if you've got to grab Doritos, um, anything that you can use that would, that would, that would represent that, that, that bread in the communion, communion element, and then you can grab some juice or anything that you have that you can use as the cup. Um, I do want to take this moment, and I, I want to share, I want to share in communion with you. Because we know this, we know that as Jesus gathered together with his disciples in the upper room, as he's having this final moment, he, he wants to give them, he wants to give them some imagery they can hold on to. He knows that destiny awaits them. They're going to have some incredible victories in the road ahead. They're going to face some big challenges along the way. And they are going to be used to start a movement that would impact billions, including you and I. And so this moment that Jesus has in the, in the upper room, it's, it's so significant, it's so important. And he, he says this to them, remember, Listen, tomorrow, when, when you see everything unfold, remember, when the, when the grave is empty, when the stone has rolled away, remember, as you go out into the highways and byways and see thousands come to an understanding of who I am and enter into relationship with me, remember, Oh, when the, when the religious people of the day and the, 
the governmental authorities of the day when they push back, even persecute you, remember. When it seems like you may even have to give your very life for the cause, remember. Jesus knows that his followers there that are with him in the upper room, that they're going to have tremendous mountaintop experiences and they're going to go through some pretty deep valleys. And in all of that, what he wants them to do is he wants them to remember. And I love the fact that sovereignly he, he put this in his word. And then he has the apostle Paul reiterate it to where it's a, to where it's a reminder to us. And what Jesus does as they gather together there in the upper room and it's, it's the Passover feast, there's all these different delicacies that would be on the table. But what Jesus chooses to use as a reminder of his body that's given for us, he chooses something that's common on the table. And he chooses something that's common on the table, the bread. It's something that everyone can have it's not, it's not difficult to obtain. And it's something that's common. Because he wants them, he wants them to remember. He doesn't want communion to be simply some special thing that we do in a religious observance. But he says, whenever you eat the bread, every time you and your family sit down for a meal, every time you go to put food to your mouth, let it trigger this reminder of how much I love you and, and the gift that I've given. So today we remember. And here's, here's what I want to challenge you in. Here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember this, that God has you. Everything that you need, he's already provided. We don't have to, we don't have to worry. We don't have to wonder. Consider the lilies of the field. Consider the birds of the air. He cares for them. How much more will he care for you? And as we, as we take this moment this morning and, and we eat the bread together, let us remember, let us remember that God keeps each and every one of his promises. So God, we, we do, we pause to, to eat the bread and we choose to remember. And we thank you that in you, in you, we walk in completeness in you. We walk in victory in you. We walk in joy. And so we eat the bread together in Jesus' name. Amen. And then in the same fashion, after the meal, he took the cup. And he said this. This cup, it's a game changer. It changes everything. This cup answers all of the what ifs. Because this cup is God's plan. This cup represents the new covenant. You are now saved by grace through faith because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So in this cup, we have identity. In this cup, we have freedom. And that's, that's freedom from all the bondages of life. 
including anxiety, including confusion, in including the questions that the, enemies will the enemy will try to use to trap you. So God, we thank you for the cup today and all that it represents. And God, we, as we take this moment to drink the cup, we remember. We remember, oh God. And we say, we say thanks. And we worship. In Jesus' name, let us drink the cup together. You know, as we make our way through Passion Week, let's do this. Let's, um, let's make it our focused aim. That we'll let Jesus be the answer to every question. That we'll live not just the promises of God, but that we'll embrace the, the plan of God. God, I'm going to love you with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul. God, all that I am, all that I have, all that I hope to be belongs to you. And so, God, I'm going to live my life in accordance with your promises. I give to you, O oh God, I give to you my time. I give to you my talent. I give to you my treasury. I give to you my hopes and my dreams, my frustrations, my fears. I give to you my relationships. Because in you and in you alone, that's where life truly happens. And that's where the question to all of the what-ifs are found. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.